please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. <laughs> We're so glad you guys keep going back to listen to us, though sometimes I wonder why. This past <laughs> week, <laughs> it's been fun. That's funny. Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> this past week has been fun for us. We, we've we actually had a pretty good week. Uh, I, I got to ride my motorcycle outside of the neighborhood for the first time. Matt took me to lunch. He's like, let's go. So I followed him on his motorcycle. And it was terrifying, but awesome. Yeah. So we went to lunch, mm-hmm. and then we drove to my brother's house, and then we came back. But then I also took my longest ride ever and went all the way out to a small town called Little Axe out here and then back, and I didn't die. Here I am. So we're doing good. Yep. She's and not part of a podcast. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I am a part of the podcast, but, but I'm you're not. you're not a story in yes. the podcast. <laughs> I'm not. This isn't a ghost coming to you right. okay like i survived so now i know i can do it it's helped me build up a little bit of confidence we're gonna go for more rides but before we can do any more wind therapy on these beautiful days that the weekends seem to be carrying for us we have to take care of our wicked listeners that's right by bringing you some fun or not so fun stories here and there but today we're gonna talk about some creepy shit we are gonna talk about some creepy shit some creepy Shit. Yes, it's not so much the true crime aspect of it anymore right now. I mean, although this guy did commit a crime, it's just mm-hmm. it's a creepy ass crime. Oh yeah. So I know most of our pe- the people that listen to us or to our podcast also watch scary movies. I'm speculating here, but I would probably believe so and follow some weird and creepy websites or other true crime and mysterious podcasts as well. I'm assuming, yes. I'm assuming. Well, and some of the listeners we know, of course, are, have given a shot shot I was going to say shout outs. <laughs> shout outs. <laughs> Tongue twister Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Very good. Uh, also, though, you, pro- you maybe even you follow some odd Facebook, Twitter, and other social media feeds as well. I mean, there's there's so many things out there nowadays mm-hmm. at, at our fingertips. It's things crazy. From, like, and ranging from like, like this guy is just gross mm-hmm. all the way to this haunted asylum where people have known to never come out you know i mean like Mm -hmm. they've got a whole range of creepy shit out there and today's story this guy seems to fit some of Mm. all of it Mm -hmm. into one one. creepy nice little bow yeah like anyway so this means you've also probably likely heard of annabelle 
Yes. The possessed doll that the Warrens keep in their museum and that has been featured in many scary movies over the recent years. Oh, yeah. And we also know the movie version of Annabelle is way creepier looking than the real life Annabelle that is a uh, basically a Raggedy Ann doll. It is a Raggedy Ann doll, and it's like one of those bigger size Raggedy mm-hmm. Ann dolls, yeah. but that's what the real Annabelle is. I loved is. Raggedy Ann and Angie. I, I had them. Who didn't? Who didn't? All, well, who who didn't that's younger than us? No, true. That's true. But okay, I am I am not old. I don't yourself. care. I'm not old. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the real life Annabelle is creepier, period, because it's actually a possessed doll. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's a sweet Raggedy Ann doll that you think, oh, it can't be that bad. It's fucking possessed, y'all. Mm-hmm. So and what's even creepier is on top of that. Well, I don't say creepier. It was just on top of that, there's there's people out there who suffer from pediophobia, mm-hmm. which all of us have. I don't say all of us. A lot of people have different phobias. I'm sure all, all of us probably do have a phobia of some sort. Right. Like e- even if it's heights, if it's being enclosed in places, mm-hmm. there's tons but, of phobias. But pediophobia is a fear of antique dolls specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. Which you I never know, heard like, of that until doing this, you know, when you were looking this stuff mm-hmm. up and talking about it, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Well, when I was looking all this stuff up, I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually a phobia for it. And they're triggered from... The horror movies, flicks the horror and stuff flicks. like like Annabelle and other things like people torturing people with antique dolls. Like our nephew. <laughs> yes. We love to torture our nephew. Oh, poor guy. Sorry, mm-hmm. buddy. Or really, you know, his dad. We'll <laughs> yes. call we'll call his dad out. Yes. Yeah. So Lenny's brother, he has an old antique doll that he randomly tortures our nephew with by what does he kind of just throw him up in mysterious places and stuff? Yeah, he'll he'll like Put it on his bed or set it like up on his his dresser where it's just facing him. Or I think he said one time he put it in the closet. So we're like when when our nephew opened the closet door, there it was just staring at him. And he's always like, seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, um, we're, we're really not bad people. <laughs> not at all. But it's. It's, it's hilarious. pretty funny. It's, it's well, it's hilarious when we tell them stories about how back in the day, many antique dolls were what were they made in the image of others? Yes. So they like way back when, when it, these antique dolls that everyone collects and stuff nowadays, they were actually made in the image of their owners. And sometimes the hair that was used for these dolls were real hair from their owners. So they would make a doll in the likeness of the child or the person who they were the doll makers were making it for mm-hmm. and if you think about that that's freaking creepy too that is creepy so i don't want a doll made looking like me just know that it's kind of like the american girl doll thing too like don't they still do that in some ways like you can send a picture of your child in oh yeah and they'll make yep. this doll to yep. look just like your your daughter like no thanks right. my favorite doll was pinocchio and he lied though that was the only <laughs> bad thing about him <laughs> But, hey. He's a puppet. He was a puppet. Oh, turned okay. into a real, a, 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 a real boy. A real boy. <laughs> That's right. Oh, geez. But knowing these types of things and knowing that Annabelle is a real doll, though not made in someone's image, makes today's episode have an even scarier creep factor. Oh yeah, yeah. Not to mention ick factor. Yeah, it's it's way because gross. it's gross what this guy did. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't a if you if you weren't a what pediophobe, pediophobe thank you before today <laughs> you might be afterwards 
because this week we decided to bring you a very strange and disturbing case where a man robbed graves and turned girls' corpses into life-size Russian dolls. He is known as the Russian doll maker, and his name is Anatoly Moskvin. Yes, this guy. I felt like I was getting ready for a prize fight. <laughs> he, his name fits. Like a UFC fight. Oh, jeez. Nope, he's just the UFC Russian. 333 Anatoly Moskvin. <laughs> no, honey. <laughs> All uh, right. Okay. So, Anatoly Moskvin was born... On September 1st, 1966, in Russia, to Yuri Fedorovic and Elvira Alexandrov... I can't say it. Alexandrova. Okay, we'll just do that. Anatoly. Whatever, I won't say her name oh, again. Yeah. Anatoly had a rough childhood. It was noted that... In, and, and you know what? This seems to be the trend when people are just so messed Typically, up that they do shit to end up on our podcast, okay? Well... Like, you had a rough childhood. You're going to be here. A lot of people have had a rough childhood. Yes. And who's to say who's a rough childhood? I mean, some, some, I mean, blatantly, if you told me a story, I mean, of a rough childhood, like how maybe even how you grew up versus how I grew up, I'd be like, whoa, that's a rough childhood. Yeah. Yeah. But mine um, was definitely rougher than yours. A little bit. But it wasn't as rough as this guy's. No? Okay. Well, tell no. Me. Tell me the story. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. So. It was noted that in the third grade, he came home from school covered in bruises that he had received while being raped by an unknown man. Oh, jeez. No, third that's, grade. That's rough. Okay. His parents, however, didn't even try to find out what happened to him or catch the guy who raped their son. They did note that his demeanor had changed, but they attributed his social awkwardness to being highly intelligent, which he was. Mm -hmm. And since they were staunch Soviets, they thought this was just a trait that he had learned from his upbringing. Now, you like know, they didn't question the fact the, that he became like just totally shut down and closed off and he had uh -huh. all these bruises. They probably just assumed he'd maybe been in a fight with his classmates or something that it came out later that he was raped. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to say too, when you said staunch Soviets, and I was already thinking before you even said that word, we're talking about the cold war area mm -hmm. and the Soviets. And even if he was raped going out and try to find the guy, maybe they were worried about one stigmas oh yeah in, i'm sure in, but then too like going out and trying to find somebody like that they didn't want to be what if this guy was a big deal well and i'm sure that all of that played into it because when i say it came out later mm -hmm. i mean like a week or two later mm -hmm. it wasn't like years later or anything like they knew but yeah. they still did nothing to try and find this guy Jeez. just kind of like well walk it off you'll be all right shake it off you know no big deal yep you just raped it's Jeez, okay that's it's okay horrible. But they said they did notice he was more aggressive than he was before. And when they would try to question him about why he was behaving the way he was and this this aggression that he had, like, developed made them to where they just gave up. He, they didn't try and pursue it anymore. They just let him be. Now, would you be more mad about the rapist raping you or your parents not doing anything about the rapist? Would that make you more aggressive? Yes. I think so. Yeah. The fact that they're so passive about it yeah. would just piss me off to be no one thing, end. Like you don't you feel care. Better like somebody cared. Yes, that they're going after and really doing what they could. Something, to, to find anything this guy, to put him in jail. Yada yada. Mm -hmm. But but their attitude seemed to be more of a would, well, we just don't talk about it again. Right, that would make me more mad. Mm -hmm. So he did excel academically, though being extremely smart, which led him to being sort of an outcast, and he was bullied a lot, also. So on top of these, this horrific event that happened to him he was bullied too 
So instead of trying to form relationships with others, he would spend his time and money on books and learning, even teaching himself how to speak, read, and write other languages. Tons of other languages. Like, I think by the time he graduated, it's in here somewhere. It's like 13 other languages. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Amazing. And he's fluent in him. Jeez. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is amazing because he taught himself his independent study books. Just, but that's what his life was. He but just he read, just read, looked, read, read, yeah. studied all day, all all day, every day. Didn't didn't have a life. Didn't have friends. Well, I can imagine too. After being being raped, having a family, having my parents not really do anything, that was his healing process. That was his escape from the world. Oh yeah, he had his reality was in books instead mm-hmm. of in reality. Yeah, which is sad. Mm-hmm. It really is. But uh, again, that. Day and time and place, too, Soviet Russia. Yeah. So of all the things that happened in his childhood, though, the main thing that stuck with him, transforming him into the person he would be, he pinpoints himself as a moment on March 4th, 1979. He swears this instant was a turning point for him, sparking an interest in the occult and cemeteries. On this day, at age 12, Anatoly was at school, and he was outside collecting waste paper with the rest of his class. Apparently, in Soviet Russia, the government emphasized recycling and the schools would compete on who could recycle the most. So since this was a competition between schools, it also became a competition among classes and even classmates to see who could contribute the most recycled material. And this would lead to some students finding themselves in places that they didn't want to be. Like they would venture way outside of the schoolyard to collect stuff, you know, like all over the town. So... This is what happened when Anatoly found himself in the yard of a stranger. So he just kind of wandered off in the wrong area or whatever. Okay. Anatoly saw about a dozen adults wearing black robes, holding candles over a coffin, and singing in a foreign language. When he saw this, he realized he was probably in over his head and that maybe he had wandered too far from the school group to try to win this recycling competition. And as he tried to back away from this scene... One of the people there grabbed him and insisted that he come and kiss the face of the dead child in the coffin. The child was an 11-year-old girl named Natasha Petrova who had died when she stepped out of the bath and grabbed an electric wire instead of her bath towel by oh mistake. My goodness. So she had electrocuted what herself. What are you doing with a wire? Elect- Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so Anatoly had stumbled into her funeral, though he said it was no ordinary funeral, and he could tell that from what he saw, like black robes, candles, chanting and singing That's weirdness. Pretty interesting. So he was grabbed, and though he tried to say no to kissing the girl in the coffin, her parents and others there forced him to. He said, quote, A woman, apparently the mother of the deceased, gave me a large Hungarian apple and kissed my forehead. She led me to the coffin and promised me a great deal of candy, oranges, and money. She told me to kiss the deceased. I burst into tears and begged her to let me go, but the sectarians insisted. Everyone again sang prayers in a language I did not understand, and one of the adults drew my head to the waxy forehead of the girl in a lace cap. I had no choice but to kiss where I was ordered, end quote. He said he was forced to kiss her on the forehead three times, and then he was given two copper rings, one he was made to put on the girl's finger and one that he put on his own finger, sort of like a wedding. He was then given a basket of fruit and a small sum of rubles, and he was then let go. He was told not to tell anyone what happened for at least 40 days. Like, specifically, don't say anything for at least 40 days. Were they Jewish or something? I mean, I I just wonder, yeah. 
But I mean, black robes and candles, chanting well, and singing. That doesn't make sense of, yeah. of a Jewish no. person. But I'm just saying, you know, a different language at the time, Russian Jewish pers- persons. I doubt it. I don't know. That's weird. So well, you said Hungarian. The occult. Some occult Hungarian. That's weird. Okay. So that's interesting. He then threw the fruit away and he spent the money on a book. So that's <laughs> yeah, hey. that's what he did. After this happened to him, he started having dreams about it, though, and he specifically dreams about the girl Natasha. She would visit him in his dreams, and she visited him every night and insisted that he learn black magic from her. He wow. ref- yeah, he refused, but the dreams continued except for a short stint when he was back in her village. But once he would return home, the dreams began again. Anna's holy told his parents, and they got him to a doctor. They were like, this boy is crazy. We're going to go get you some help. The doctor, however, said he was just entering puberty, and that was what was going on, and prescribed mm. him. Yeah. He's just going through puberty. Boys are strange at this age. We're going to give him an herbal sedative to help him sleep, though, called Valerian. Even though she's coming to him in his dreams, we're going to give you something to help you sleep, buddy. Hey. Right? So Natasha continued visiting Anatoly nightly in his dreams, but she got tired of him refusing to learn from her. So she instead asked him to perform a ritual that would pass her off to someone else. Okay. Interesting. Yes. So she gives him this instructions and he performs this ceremony using a tooth that he had gotten from one of his classmates to act as the magical component of this ritual. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I would love like, to have that conversation like, with <laughs> to ask your, your classmate for a tooth. Can I have your tooth? Like, how did you get this tooth? Hey, I don't I know. I know you just lost your tooth and the <laughs> tooth fairy was supposed to get it, but could I get it? Yeah, could I have your tooth, please? I need <laughs> it for a ritual. <laughs> so afterward, he never saw Natasha again. So this actually did, this ritual worked for him. Okay. But this experience struck with, stuck with him for the rest of his life. Okay. He even continued to visit her grave, and it was like the incident that made him study the occult. This is what rose all of his interest in it. Okay. And his interest in cemeteries, because he started visiting her grave at a cemetery and was just like, what's going on with these places? You know, yeah. why do we bury our dead? So Just real interesting. Yeah. He, he, he said it was, quote, the cemeteries, quote, drew him in like a magnet, end quote. So he really just started becoming attracted to him. When he went to university after he had grown up, he studied in the the philo- philological faculty of Moscow State University in Moscow. Philolo- philology, I cannot say these yeah, words. that's hard. <laughs> in case you were as stumped as me in that, because I had to look it up. I'm like, what the hell is this? is the study of the structure, historical development, and relationships of a language or languages. So he's really into languages and learning everything about them. I thought he was more like linguistics, but... No, he went into the other side of it. Okay. So I had no idea. So, I mean, I had to look it up. But Anatoly had been interested in other languages practically his entire life, and he had taught himself several languages, like I mentioned earlier, growing up through independent study, so that by the time he got to university, he had taught himself 13 different languages. That is amazing. And he was said to not just speak them, he could read, write, interpret everything. Like he could do it both backwards and forwards. It was yeah. like a, not a second or third or whatever language mm-hmm. to him. It was like he could, he, he could do it. Yeah. So while at university, he also joined the Society of Luciferians, a theistic branch of Luciferianism mm. that embraced many concepts of the left-hand path. And now I had to look this stuff up too because I had no idea. Luciferianism is a belief in the characteristics of Lucifer known in the 
Christian faith as Satan, the devil, the tempter, etc. And then the left-hand path is said to be malicious black magic or black shamanism, where the right-hand path is said to be white magic. So Anatoly joined this society, and he participated in animal sacrifices and rituals that included dead animals, uh, passed a test to become a black magic user, and he vowed celibacy and abstinence from drinking and smoking. Kind of... So it wasn't all so bad. <laughs> okay. Hey, just don't drink and don't smoke. You're <laughs> no, I'm good. just going to practice some black magic. He also started to regret ever giving up Natasha's visits and offers to teach him black magic. But he found her story to be useful to him in the end because she motivated him to learn. He said, quote, in the era of perestroika, I decided to study magic. I have no idea what the era of perestroika is. Do you know what that is? I should have looked that I, up. I wish I should know this, but I mean, I just know it was part of communist Russia, the perestroika. Mm. So he says in the Time era, yeah. Yeah, well, he says in the era of Perestorka or whatever, I decided to study magic. Knowledgeable people did not refuse to teach me after I told them the story of my marriage to Natasha, end quote. So he considered himself married to that dead girl after this. Really? Mm hmm. Oh, that's wild. So while he seemed to be excelling in his occult life, his professional life wasn't going as well. He wrote his thesis on German and Celtic philology, and after graduating, he taught Celtology at the university near his hometown. His colleagues said he was kind, punctual, and a genius, but this did little to foster good relationship, relationships or even form friendships, and he ended up quitting his job at the university because he had several disagreements with members of the staff. He went on to focus on writing and tutoring, he published two Russian to English dictionaries, a dictionary of foreign words, and a dictionary of school phraseology geared towards school children. He was said to be a popular tutor, tutoring in languages, but also uh, some history. Okay. So in 2003, Anatoly met a woman named Yulia Granova. She was a spiritualist concerned with Indian religions, and she became sort of a muse for him. They had a, an agreed-upon non-sexual relationship. They both wanted children, so they tried to adopt a little girl together, which I found really weird, but they were denied, thankfully, for this little girl. Mm. In the end, their relationship failed, and Anatoly's desire for a child kind of slid into the background, and he began to focus on a road trip of sorts that he wanted to take where he was researching local history and documenting cemeteries. So he's basically going to town to town walking, and going to every cemetery in these towns and, like, like going to the tombstones and noting their names and birth dates and all that stuff for records that had okay. been lost. Census? Yeah, kind of. But uh, of cemeteries. Uh, and what cemetery that these people are in and that kind of stuff, you know. Okay. So he did this for three years. And he toured many different cemeteries. And at night, he even slept in some Muslim tombs. Sometimes like he would sleep in some of the cemeteries, oh, wow. but in this particular night, he's sleeping in a Muslim tomb and he gets picked up by the police. But he like says, but wait, I'm doing research and shows them his documents, his passport and his his research documents mm -hmm. and credentials or whatever. So they, they let him go. OK, and they're like, OK, you could sleep in the cemetery then. Do so you. weird. We're going right? to go over here. You right. Go come back over there. Oh gosh, I just couldn't even imagine. But he finally finished his trek across the country and he goes home. 
So between 2006 and 2010, after his research excursion, he was writing journals, you know, and stuff for newspapers. And he wrote about a taboo subject of the Mongol Tartar invasion of Russia. Mm -hmm. And he drew some criticism from the public where he was accused of extremist activity against the Tartar people. Mm -hmm. Also drawing attention from the anti-terror authorities. I think they were called like Division E, if I remember right in my reading, but I can't remember for Mm. sure. But whoever they were, they kept an eye on him for years. So in 2008, he drew more attention when he published an article about the history of the swastika. And he was accused then of being a fascist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's drawing the wrong kind of attention from people. I would assume the article is more about Buddhist, you know, where the swastika. I don't know, honey. I didn't get into all Uh, that. But you're welcome to read it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It was after the airport terror bombings in 2011 and during some very heated anti-Muslim movements in Russia at this particular time, Anatoly decided to paint some Muslim tombs in a Muslim cemetery and posted newspaper articles on the tombs of the victims that were killed in the airport bombings. Oh, wow. Yeah. And anti-terrorist authorities decided that this was the last straw and they raided his home. They were like, this dude is just a lit fuse. Yeah. You know? So during this raid... They had expected to find some extremist materials, but what they ended up finding was much more disturbing than anything could have ever even, or any anything you could even think, think of. of. Inside Anatoly's apartment, which he lived in with his parents, by the way. He yeah. still lived at home with his parents. But inside Anatoly's apartment, officials found 29 human-sized dolls dressed in women's clothing with makeup painted on their faces. Some of the dolls had music boxes embedded in their chests, allowing them to, quote, speak, end quote. That's wild. During their search of the apartment, the authorities noticed that the dolls made rattling sounds when they would pick them up to move them. And so they decided to cut one open to find out what was inside and what was making the rattling noise. And this is when they found that inside each of the, they ended up cutting all of them open after the first one. Yeah. They found inside each of the doll was a mummified corpse of a human girl. Of a real human girl. Mm. And now they're thinking, what the hell? Did we just stumble on yeah, a mass murderer? Did we just stumble on serial killer material? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So it turned out that they found out that Anatoly wasn't just documenting cemeteries on his research trip. He was also stealing human remains and bringing them home. So he's digging up girls for years. Mm. Yeah. As authorities explore the apartment... They found a total of 29 dolls throughout the home in Anatoly's room, his garage, and other places throughout the apartment. One of them even in his parents' bedroom. Wow. The authorities took these dolls out of the apartment in front of growing crowds to be Mm. loaded onto a truck. And the crowds included journalists as the rumors were spreading about what the authorities were finding in these dolls inside this apartment. For sure. Like, could you imagine? No, (laughs) this is crazy. Newspapers had dubbed Anatoly as the puppeteer by the next day. So that was what he was known as during this time. <laughs> we've we've kind of dubbed him as the Russian doll maker since then. But yeah, he was known as the puppeteer originally. Hey, Pinocchio. <laughs> what was Pinocchio's? Um, G- Geppetto. Geppetto. He was Geppetto. <laughs> That's all no, he was. baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> so after his arrest, His father was hospitalized after a heart attack and his mother was hospitalized for shock. So they were both like, yeah, what? What the heck? Yes. 
We've been sleeping around this. Oh, yeah. Thinking, oh, my gosh. That's gross. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. So neither of them knew what was inside the dolls. They just thought their son was a collector of strange large dolls. They really just, they were described as being poorly done paper mache dolls. And because in the past, Anatoly had shown an interest in Russian dolls, you know, the real actual Russian dolls, yeah, yeah. they didn't think anything about it and just let it be. They thought, okay, our weird this is our loner son, son this is our one child. Yes, this is, is making paper mache dolls. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this. But inside, (laughs) according to a friend of Anatoly's parents, the dolls weren't all or didn't all appear overnight. They started showing up slowly over the course of 10 years. Only one doll was said to be in his parents' room and the doll was named Masha. They all had names, too. And they were their real names, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. His mother was noted to have questioned why he played with dolls, asking him if he's a child. But he didn't it didn't deter him from continuing to collect them. He just kind of ignored her and just still went about his business. <laughs> All of the dolls were found to contain the remains of human girls who had died in tragic ways. That was the key to it, too. Like, they had all been mistreated in some way and had died tragically. Okay. None of them died of, like, a, na- a natural cause, cause. Uh, illness or anything like that. Some whose names were not released to the public because their families didn't, didn't want it to be. Okay. They ranged in age from 3 to 30 years old. Anatoly stuffed the remains with gr- with cloths or rags, dressed them in clothes that he found in the trash, and made their faces up with makeup and paint. He knew their names, histories, and the circumstances of their deaths. He dug up the first one on May 9, 2003, following an argument with his parents concerning the failed adoption, and he had intended to resurrect the dead child with his black magic. Wow. So dude's crazy. Yes. Okay. I mean, we kind of thought he was crazy, but this confirms it. The f- you you got told you can't adopt this child, mm-hmm. and your relationship failed, and your parents are, like, ragging you f- for even trying to adopt a child, and so you're like, well, I'm just going to go create my own <laughs> this way. He was trying. Oh, jeez. Going to dig some up, <laughs> do some rituals, and <laughs> right? bring some to life. Didn't work, obviously. Anatoly's own account of his first doll is as follows. He said, quote, the coffin was covered with crimson synthetic matter. With a chisel, I hollowed out a hole in the lid of the coffin at the head of the bed and threw it. I pulled out what was left of the body. It was in very poor condition. The girl was dressed in a white blouse, black skirt, old tights, and shoes. The child had long hair. Then I decided for the first time to try to mummify it. I moved the body to a remote corner of the cemetery and buried it in the abandoned grave of some grandmother. To properly mummify the body, you need soda and salt in various proportions. I bought these substances in the store. I found old stockings in the garbage dump and made bags from them, pouring soda and salt into them and tied them to the remains. I changed these bags once a week. If people paid attention to me, I said that I was there to feed the birds. On July 25, 2003, I wrapped the body in different clothes and carried it back to my home in my backpack. Within two days, I restored the body. I stuffed rags inside and and, I stuffed rags inside. Then I sewed the body with threads and made a wax mask on her face and then covered it with nail polish, which I found in the trash. After that, I put on her clothes, put on her clothes, which I also found in the trash End quote. Like what? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, some, some people's kids. He's sick. 
Some of the dolls had buttons for eyes, which I found kind of disturbing. And yeah. some of them, he had actually taken masks of the face of stuffed animals and used soft or soft toys and used that to cover the faces of okay. the dolls, hmm. which is even weirder. Yeah. But he did the button eyes so they could watch TV with him. Oh, cool. It was sad. Yeah. <laughs> so while he was in custody, he shared which graves he had robbed from which cemeteries and supplied police with all the information they would need to return the girls to their rightful places. He he did he even did interviews with journalists detailing why he had taken these girls from their graves. He said, quote, the thing is, I'm practicing black magic. I wanted to revive them. I felt sorry for these children who could still live and live. I kept I kept them so that when science learns to fight cancer, it can later revitalize them. Genetics are developing now very rapidly. I felt sorry for all these children. I am an expert in Celtic studies and studying Celtic culture. I noticed that the Druids had a tradition of communicating with the spirits of the deceased by sleeping on graves. When I studied the culture of the peoples of Siberia, specifically the culture of the ancient Yakuts, I, don't, I hope I'm saying this right. Mm-hmm. There, too, I found a similar practice. I also began to sleep on the graves of children who liked me. The spirits of the deceased children came to me. Accordingly, I checked whether it was demons that came or whether it was spirits. I collected all the information I could. Then, if possible, I checked this information. I was convinced that the spirits of the dead children really came to me. At first, I slept on the graves. Then I adjusted because it was not convenient to sleep there. Instead, I carried the bodies where it would be convenient for me to sleep on them. I began to dry them and bring them home. This was done very cleverly and slowly, one at a time, so nobody knew about it. I studied the theory, the technology of mummification from all available books. I studied the ancient Egyptian scripts. I went to Moscow especially to study the whole thing, end quote. Like, he really got into this. Yeah. When he was asked what he did with them in his home, he said he talked to them. They basically seemed to become his friends, who he had never really had. Never any friends. Right. So he made his own. He even had birthday parties for them and took care of the dolls because he saw them as being special to him. In the the sick way, it's not a bad thing in some ways what he was trying to do. No, it's not. In In a sick way, he was just a sad, lonely guy who really couldn't make living friends and tried mm-hmm. to make his own because he didn't do anything perverted with them. He wasn't a necrophiliac or any of that kind yeah. of stuff. Like he wasn't that demented. He wasn't, he wasn't mistreating Mm-mm. them, but these were his friends, mm-hmm. which is, that's really sad. Really sad. If you yeah. think like, if you really start yeah. to think about it, yes, it kind of hurts your heart mm-hmm. that this poor guy, that's what's going on in his head. But at the same time, dude, you robbed graves and stole bodies. Yeah. Like, it's messed up. It's yeah. just, it's messed up. In in gross, messed up, and sad, mm-hmm. messed up. Yes. Yeah. He also admitted that he knew that taking the bodies was illegal, but he said that, in a nutshell, other scientists had conducted illegal experiments in the past that ended up being huge discoveries, forgiving the Ill- illegality of it all. So basically, he's excusing himself, saying, I was going to resurrect them. So you and guys were going to really see. believe this. Yeah. Of course. Well, he, he basically figured that when he brought the children back to life or figured out how to clone them, it would all be forgiven anyway. Yeah. Like people wouldn't be mad. So mm-hmm. he was going to well, he was going to get out of it. He brought their children back to their families. Right. And that's where he was coming from as far as that went. Mm-hmm. But in May 2012, Anatoly was deemed to be insane and was sentenced to a psychiatric hospital. 
He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and his case was assigned to be reviewed every six months for a progress update, but, his, but this sentence is likely going to be a life sentence. Many of the families called for life imprisonment. Some wanted the death penalty, and others said that he treated their daughters better than they had while the girls were alive, so they refused any reparations and were satisfied with the sentence of confinement to a psychiatric hospital. There was a huge division on these families. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So during his June 2015 review, it was noted that Anatoly had a new attorney and that this treatment, his treatment in the hospital that he was first at was inhumane, citing that he had he was being beaten and fed so many pills that he spent his days and nights sleeping through everything. Yeah. He was basically comatose, you know. Right. From 2015 to 2018, his new attorney was pushing to have him transferred to a new facility. But that turned into pushing to have him returned home to be treated privately in his own home. And the most recent article I found from February of 2019 said that his his uh, order keeping him in the ward had expired and not been renewed yet. So he was technically able to walk out of the ward as of February or as I think it was December of 2018 when it expired. Okay. On his own, like he could legally leave because they didn't have a renewed order. Okay. But I I have no idea if he's still in the hospital or not at this point. One of the articles I read said that he had warned families and police not to rebury the children too deep because he planned to just go and get them again when he was finally released, though. So that tells me that he's still crazy. and, And I hope he was not released. I mean, this man is sick. By all accounts. So I really hope he's still in the hospital. It is sick. It's gross. And it is heartbreakingly sad. It's heartbreakingly sad. It's a lot of things. Yes. (laughs) It's like, golly, man. I know. But that's our story about Anatoly Moskvin, the Russian doll maker. Wow. Wow. That's all I can say. So (laughs) we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and that you have not developed a fear of antique dolls. So much as maybe uh, just cautious of what dolls you think are fine to bring home. Yeah, like, sure. like be careful. Don't don't be going to these antique stores or some weird neighbor's house and be like, oh, that doll's cool. I'll take it home. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, we'll hope you. Po- we'll post our sources on the website at wickedness true crime and the unknown.com. and you can email us at wickedness true crime at yahoo.com. You can also check us out at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can support us if you feel like it by clicking on that support button. Also, follow us on Instagram at wickedness true crime. And if you would, please rate and review us. I'd appreciate it. Until next week, have a great rest of your week, and thanks for listening to us, and goodbye. Bye.